Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 21, the <clears throat> post-Indy 500. We already did that earlier this week. If you want to catch it on all the places you can uh, find podcasts, you can find Grip Strip Podcast, episode 20. We had Spencer Neff on there, but this is episode 21 of the GSP, the Repetition is the Mother of All Learning. Uh, edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. We'll be going over the NASCAR Triple Letter Weekend at Dover. We'll do the Roundup, which will include all kinds of world uh, world motorsports. And in IMSA, where Bill Oberlin passed high to my family at home as the all-time winner in uh, IMSA wins uh, with 61. And then we'll preview the Belgian Grand Prix, the Coke Zero 400, and the other NASCAR races, you have Xfinity at Daytona, trucks will be at Gateway. I will go and kind of uh, briefly dive back into the IndyCar because we did preview that with Spencer. Josh Spencer and I did that in the previous episode. And then a um, couple other races going on in the world, uh, and we will uh, call it a day. I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, I kind of like what you said. The uh, the repetition is the mother of all learning. I definitely agree with that. Well, the way things are in the Cup Series, it definitely seems that way because <clears throat> Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, both win, both dominate their own respective days at Dover. You know, Denny Hamlin won both stages and led 115 laps. He maxed out points-wise on Saturday. Kevin Harvick won both stages, led over, led 223 laps, and maxed out on points on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, initial takeaways: it's more of the same as we said, Josh. Uh, you know, the, you know, Hamlin and and Harvick. Harvick didn't have the cleanest run on Saturday, and he came back and finished fourth, which is part and parcel for why he's the regular season points champion. Uh, but you know, Denny Hamlin, he had a great run on Saturday, of course. He had another win. And then on Sunday, why am I not seeing, why am I losing him in this, this rundown here? Uh, Sunday, he isn't even there. <laughs> but but basically, I mean, it's it's Hamlin and Harvick all year and it, it it's just continues at Dover. I mean, it, it was a more racy deal with the 750 rules package. Uh, but outside of the usual suspects, what stood out to you uh, Saturday and Sunday with the two Drydeen 311s? Well, I think Jimmy Johnson on Sunday kind of had the right idea to um, stay out or not stay out, but he had two tires on pit road and take a gamble and uh, try to hope for either a win or at least uh, um, hold off the guys behind him and try and not as, lose as many positions um, as maybe he normally would on a um, other situation. And you know he also had a solid uh, showing on Saturday, the seventh place finish. Um, and now he's like four points or so back um, from the cut line, and and it's going to be dramatic heading into Daytona for him. Um, and of course, William Byron kind of had a schizophrenic weekend. You know, he finished 28th on Saturday, and then he came back on Sunday and finished in fourth. Yeah, definitely tightened the gap there in the, the cutoff. 
um, about Ricky Stenhouse in 10th place on Saturday. And then on Sunday, of course, uh, he goes and crashes out of the race. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, craziness because, you know, Chase Elliott finished fifth. You know, he started on the pole on Saturday after the draw. And then Sunday, he ended up getting caught up in somebody else's mess. And him and Kyle Busch ended up getting taken out. Um, so just um, seems like for the regulars of 2020, Hamlin, Harvick, uh, Truex, uh, and Harvick seems like you know they all finished pretty consistently uh, within the top five. And then for some of the guys that aren't quite as good, they um, kind of were swinging on the pendulum as far as their actual finishes went um, and kind of their runs went the whole weekend. So you know, a lot of um, a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and that's one thing. Even though you had two, the the Dover races were shorter. It'll be the last time that Dover has two races. There's plenty of people who celebrate that. For me, as a Northeast guy, um, it pisses me off because it's one of the only racetracks I can get to that's close. Um, wouldn't even have been able to go this year, but you know the they had. <clears throat> they're going to move this one of these races to Nashville Super Speedway, which is going to suck. I can tell you right now that race is going to suck because it's a 550 rules package race. And they're probably not going to have practice because the way things are going. And it's going to – and Goodyear is going to bring a tire that's so hard that it's like the tire they had this weekend at Dover because they didn't have any blowouts. So it was so hard, the tire barely – it laid enough rubber down to kind of make it a multi-groove track. And then once a caution came out, all the rubber came up. So then it just became a cycle deal. And and it gave, like you said, Josh, it gave Jimmy that opportunity there to get a third place finish. He was just a little bit, I think probably an inch or two away. If he clears Harvick, it might have been different, but I don't think anyone was going to beat Harvick. Um, on Sunday, the way his car was, he started 17th and he won the first stage. Uh, that and Martin Truex was started 19th because they did the top 20 invert. He comes up and finishes second after a third, a second place the day before. His his level of consistency right now is pretty insane. It's not Harvick level, but it's it's up there. You know, you have you you look at Harvick. There's 25 races so far this year. He leads the the series with seven wins. He has 17 top fives and 21 top tens. There's only four times all year that Kevin Harvick has finished outside the top ten. He's the only driver that's led over a thousand laps. His average finish is 6.1, which is beyond. You know, that's that's like. Gordon Earnhardt, insert the great driver, Kelly Hart, whatever. That's the kind of level that we're talking about right here. Uh, the greatness that's being shown by Harvick. And he wins a regular season points championship. Another 15 playoff points will be going in his, uh, uh, will be given to him after Saturday's race at Daytona. And who knows what he's going to do. I don't think he's really going to go all that hard, uh, try to save a car so that they have it for Talladega, perhaps. Um, I think Denny Hamlin's going to be a little bit more likely. And we'll talk about, more about that in the in the Coke Zero 400 preview, uh, because the Toyotas always seem to run well at Daytona these days. 
And of course, Hamlin won. He's a two-time, the last two Daytona 500s, he's won, and three out of the last four or some crap like that. So it's uh, all more of the same. I mean, Keselowski didn't have a great, didn't have a great weekend, but he's had 18 top 10 finishes, which is second highest total in in the series. He only has nine top fives. That's a bit of a bit of an issue, but his average finish is very close to Hamlin's. Um, basically, Hamlin is feast or famine. He's going to get you a top five or nothing. And usually if he's in the top five, he's winning. Um, but, you know, we, we will see. The top four is what we believe. We've said it all year. I think Harvick, Hamlin, Keselowski, Truex are head and shoulders above everyone else. To get The Penske duo of Logano and Blaney right there, Elliott. But he's so inconsistent, Chase Elliott. You just never know what you're going to get. And he's the best Chevrolet, of course. There's only two or three Chevys, or four actually, four Chevys that are guaranteed in the playoff right now with Elliott, Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, and Austin Dillon. There's a possibility and a, a likelihood of at least two more Chevrolets getting in maybe three it depends but we will get into that more with this topic right here in it's for the three guys that are in the points right now you know jimmy johnson you mentioned it josh he had a great run on saturday while william byron had a nightmare run and him and uh, chad canals were sniping at each other uh which was great uh for the world and um Jamie Johnson got himself back in and then William Byron, I think, decided to use driving iRacing on Sunday and he became a, a race car driver all of a sudden and got a top five finish. Only a six top five of his cup career um, in a in a very timely spot. But Jimmy beat him by one spot there. Matty Benedetto has been leaking oil for a while now it's been a month month and a half he's been leaking oil he did make the all-star race at bristol won a segment there but outside of that it has not been very good and he was at one point i think he was 11th in points or something like that he had a good gap he was up there with with eric almirola kurt bush kyle bush and over this last i don't know month or six weeks they've really bottomed out so i i guess what I would say, Josh, is what do you see? What do you foresee in terms of these three guys? Um, you know, I mean, we're going to get into it in more detail later, but like the for Matty Benedetto, I would say, like, what, what does he have to do uh, to really make sure, I mean, outside of winning, uh, you know, going and, and trying to maintain after basically being up in the points all year? to not go and have a collapse uh, Saturday night and let, you know, not just Jimmy Johnson in, but William Byron in to this uh, playoff. Well, I think for DiBenedetto, I think he's got to definitely finish within the top five for each of the stages on Saturday. And he's got to hope that um, he's in front of the big one whenever it happens. Cause you know, it's, it's going to happen at some point. Um, during the race especially with the way that they've been racing at the restrictor plate tracks uh, the last couple of years it's going to happen it's only a matter of time Um, um, you know they don't really 
especially once they get down to about 15 to go. They don't really respect each other that much anymore. Um, so he, he's got to make sure he's you know within um, the top five towards the end of the race. And even that's not a guarantee, but that's the best that you can hope for. Um, and you know, besides winning the race, that's what he can do um, to try to uh, keep in front of them. Of course, you know, if Jimmy Johnson wins the race or when William Byron wins the race, you know, that puts him in hot water. And he's really got to hope that he can sneak in on points there. So um, he's got to just make sure that uh, he executes a better strategy throughout the race than those two drivers. And that wherever his position is in relative to the leader, if he's not the leader, that um, they stay in front of the 48 and the 24. They're going to have to, the, this new, the latest setup now with these super speedway races has been manufacturer, like centric working together. And in the sense of Toyota, they're, they have two guys that aren't in right now with Eric Jones, who's not going to be there next year. And Chris Bell, who is taking his ride. And they, they're trying to figure out a way to get a Toyota in there. You have Ford trying to get the Benedetto, but then you have other guys. You have the front row motorsports drivers. You have, uh, uh, what do you call McDowell, who's been flirting with, like, Chris Bell right now is 20th in points. He's right behind uh, the... Be uh, Cole Custer, who's going to make the playoff, and if and if no other rookie gets in, he will win Rookie of the Year. Basically, um, he's 13 points ahead of Chris Bell right now. Dylan, there, he's made it because of his win at Texas. So you have those two Toyotas. You have the Fords of of McDowell, who's fallen back a little bit. You have the Roush Fords uh, of uh, Busher and Newman, and, and so those are up there. You have Chevy teams, of course, Tyler Reddick, other than William Byron and Jimmy Johnson, the most uh, uh, the standout in terms of the Chevy camp right there is Reddick. Uh, you have Bubba and the two JTG Doherty uh, Chevys there, Matt Kenseth, who has won multiple uh, races at uh, these these super speedways, two-time Daytona 500 winner. And, uh, I mean, Ryan Priest in a year that he's basically going and he's going to go back to running mods next year. Could he go and get the Hail Mary? Could he finally have some luck and pull it out of his ass and win his first career cup race? You know, like, it, it isn't out of the realm, really. They have fast race cars at JTG for... Uh, the these uh, super speedway races. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of people that can flip this script, really. I mean, right now there's, I think, 10, what is it, the top 10's locked in there in terms of overall or with wins or points. Then you have Bowman and uh, Bowman, Dillon, and, and Cole Custer. So that that's where you get 13. Clint Boyer basically needs to get stage points and not get wrecked before the end of stage one. He makes the he makes it into the playoff. Uh, then it becomes a battle for the two Hendrick guys and D Benedetto. 
but I, I honestly think there's going to be a push between, you know, RCR trying to get Reddick in there. Uh, they also with Bubba, you know, I think there's going to be these alliances are going to kind of come out here on Saturday night to try to go and push a new winner into uh, this playoff. And I think that's what they wanted. That's what NASCAR wanted by moving it, going and messing with tradition, which you would think after all these years, they'd stop doing that. But uh, they decided not only are we going to mess with yet another tradition, we're going to put it right in the middle of hurricane season. So um, they'll probably have lightning delays too. So get ready for a long night on Saturday night uh, during the Coke zero 400. Uh, we'll go and transition into the Xfinity Drydeen 200s times two. Justin Allgaier, um, after crying wolf and all the stuff he did at uh, at Daytona and getting butthurt with his fellow Smurf, uh, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, goes and wins his first race in Phoenix in November of last year. And uh, first win for a non-Noah Gregson what do you call junior motorsports vehicle this year? So that's actually a good sign. And then Chase Briscoe goes and wins on Sunday after what was a pretty eventful and, and kind of nightmarish Saturday um, for him. And recent uh, races have not exactly been at the same level as he had put up earlier in the season. So, so we go and, and, you had Justin Allgaier up there. He beat Sindrick, who has been on this heater. Chastain, I think, was a standout performance for both days, getting top fives in both races. Uh, what did you uh, What do you look at in terms of these two Xfinity races relative to what we should be expecting as we get closer, uh, five races away from uh, their playoff starting, Josh? Yeah, you know, you talk about with Justin Allgaier finally winning a race. I think this year it seems like he's just had a lot of um, misfortune throughout the season. I mean, there was one point early on in the year where he had led the series and laps led, but he had a lot of bad finishes and he was mired down towards the bottom half of the top 10 in the series point standings. Um, so now that he finally gets a win uh, with, uh, this race uh, doubleheader here last weekend I think is very good for him and probably get the monkey off his back and get some confidence in him because he's definitely um, had a bit of an off year in terms of overall results. Uh, so that was good. And then, of course, Chase Briscoe um, finally kind of uh, breaking his uh, cold streak that he uh, kind of was on this uh, past couple of weeks. Um, weekends and really the last maybe month and a half like you said so that was good and i i think you know for him um i think maybe these these next couple of races here leading up into the xfinity playoffs and even going into the xfinity playoffs i think maybe those uh race tracks those track types are gonna go back into his favor you know we talked about the last podcast how um on the last nascar podcast we talked about how the schedule kind of worked out in favor for Cindric. Well, I think you'll probably see something similar for Briscoe. I think maybe these next couple of races up here will, will favor him more than, um, than Cindric though. I think Cindric is over overall probably improving, um, at some of these races as well, 
but definitely I think um, they favor Briscoe's driving style, and I think you'll see him be more of a contender coming up um, up to the Xfinity cutoff. And obviously, you know, like one guy that stood out to me on Saturday was um, Brandon Brown. You know, he uh, did a pit yep. strategy move and was able, I think, either stayed on no tires or he took two tires and he was able to uh, grab the lead or second off of one of the restarts. And he's basically able to hold his own for the most part. He didn't really drop through a rock and really made some of um, the better Xfinity regulars like Gregson and some of the other guys um, like uh, I think like even like Harrison Burton, Riley Herbst, um, drivers like that who have better equipment than him, they really had to work their way around him. Um, and they, even though he ended up um, dropping down outside of the top 10 towards the end of that second stage, I believe, I think it was really impressive and definitely um, put some guys or put some crew chiefs on notice for him um, and really showed what he can do behind the wheel uh, with a um, underpowered car, I think, and underfunded team. So that was good. Uh, for that um and of course Cindric finished pretty well on both weekends um so is not completely out of the fight yet and he just didn't win and you talked about Chastain finished third and second on on the weekend and that was good uh but of course uh it would be nice if he could get a win here sometime which could be possible um, especially uh, this coming weekend at Daytona. He's won there before, and it seems like the colleague cars really know how to team up together and go out and take the lead and protect it and stay up front throughout that. So I think that's something you'll have to watch for this weekend with them as well. When you consider Chastain running a limited schedule last year, uh, won this race, what is going to be the Wawa 250 to tomorrow night, actually, uh, we're on Thursday night, and uh, it'll be Friday night, you know, weather permitting, of course, because it's Daytona in August. Uh, they will be running the Wawa 250, and uh, defending winners Ross Jastain. It would be a good spot, and it would it would bring the season full circle for the colleague team when uh, Chastain DNQ. They had to go and rent somebody's car. I forget whose car they rented. Then they had then Almendinger missed the race because they both had a brake issue. So then it was the same issue that uh, Justin Haley had, but of course he had points, so it was okay. Um, but he had to start tailback. So if they were to go out there and and have a really good run, it would kind of bring everything full circle. Uh, of course, uh, Haley won at Talladega uh, earlier this summer, so I, I think. Great point there, Josh, in terms of what Colleague can do in this spot. And also for Brandon Brown. I think Brandon Brown, you had uh, Brett Moffitt in the 0-2. He ended up getting uh, top 10 on Sunday. Uh, got stage points in both stages. Uh, led for twenty, led 25 laps after starting on pole. That team is definitely doing a lot of... Uh, punching above its weight in a lot of ways uh ran a jimmy johnson tribute at dover which is pretty nice it's going to be i guess a, a sign of things to come in terms of uh, throwbacks for jimmy johnson uh coming up here uh next week at darlington which we'll talk about on the next episode of the grip strip podcast but um i mean you go and and it, 
it's for for all Geyer, it's not been a great year. As the amount of issues he's had, as Josh said, has been definitely not uh, his usual performance. He's fifth in points, but he's way behind uh, the top four. He's nearly 200 points behind right now. You know, Ross Chastain is like less than 20 points behind Noah Gregson for third which is for bonus, that's for bonus points. It'd be a big deal for Chastain because he only has one playoff point all year through 21 races. Uh, you know, Briscoe and Sindrick have definitely hogged a lot of them. They have 60, 69, 69 uh, playoff points uh, between the two of them. Briscoe 35, Sindrick 34, of course, are battling for the regular season title with five races to go here. You know, you talk about, uh, Josh talked about it with these racetracks. You got Daytona, which Chase was on that last restart, had a chance to win Daytona in February. And these Fords have been fast here at the the restrictor plate tracks. Then they go to Darlington, which, of course, um, we all remember what happened the last time that they were at Darlington when they returned from the COVID break. Then there will be two races at Richmond. And then Bristol will be the cutoff for the uh, regular season. So that'll be um, very intense for sure. Uh, those the next four or five, the next five races are all, are all intense deals. And for the Brandon Browns of the world to try to go and make sure he can make this playoff and get that extra exposure, it's going to be a uh, difficult, um, but that's one thing I did want to ask. I mean, when we look at this, it's a little more straightforward in the Xfinity series. I think we basically know who's going to get in. We already know Cindric Briscoe, that's for the regular season title. Gregson, solid. Chastain, solid. Of course, Allgaier, Burton, Haley all have wins. And Brandon Jones has wins. So so they're okay. I mean, Brandon Jones' points position is pretty pathetic, but that's beside the point. You know, Nett's in there, even though he sucks. So, I mean, Riley Herbst is kind of the one... He one guy that's kind of in limbo per se with Ryan Sieg and Brandon Brown, but even in Herb's case, he's got 85 points on Brandon Brown right now. Um, with these five races and with some of the performances of some of the guys, like when it comes to running Daytona, it's one thing. You know, Clements has been running better this year than he he has on a week to week basis better than he has in a, in a while. Uh, you know, Snyder, I don't think that's really valid. They don't have, he's not going to be running the 21 car until the playoffs. So that he's not even going to make it. Um, it's really, it honestly is. It's, it's basically Jeremy Clemens versus Brandon Brown and Ryan Sieg for one spot, um, right now. And, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a question, I, and we'll we'll get into it more in detail. But uh, you know that that I think is something we'll get into with who really has a chance at this point in the Xfinity side to kind of go and flip it, flip it on its lid, and 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 change some things up. I, I kind of figure uh, 
who's going to win, but um, it could. There are opportunities here with Daytona, uh, the Xfinity, and then we go to the Truck Series. Uh, they had their one race. They will be. There was a KDI Office Tech 200. Zane Smith gets his second career win. Crafton, Moffitt, Todd Gillen, Ben Rhodes, a top five. Uh, it was definitely the the super teams that dominated the show, Josh. Um, and and it, it has become kind of the routine. Uh, Brett Moffitt hasn't been able to close this year, but uh, it's three straight wins for GMS, uh, two for Zane Smith. Uh, it's been a, a pretty solid year for them, but their most veteran driver uh, hasn't won yet. And uh, we're getting to some interesting racetracks as they, they'll be going to Gateway here. Uh, what is it? Uh, Sunday afternoon. And then they'll be running Darlington the Sunday next, the following Sunday before the, the Southern 500. And then they'll be running Richmond which would be great. First time in forever they'll be running at Richmond. They'll run Bristol as, as well. So that'll be the start of their Richmond. It looks like, uh, yeah, Richmond would be their their first race of their playoff. At, or Richmond would be the cutoff, and Bristol would be the first race of their playoff situation. So what did you look at in terms of Zane Smith going and getting a, another victory in the uh, truck series? Yeah, I mean it's great for Zane Smith. Now he's, you know, now he's got two wins on the year after, you know, not having any wins before that. So it's very good for him, and and he'll definitely be a contender coming into the uh, Truck Series playoffs. Um, but of course, Brett Moffat is um, shocking that he hasn't won yet because you know last year he did win four races in the Truck Series, and so far he's winless this year. And you have to wonder um, when exactly is that going to happen. And of course, you know, with basically, yeah, the top five, like you said, was the super teams minus Todd Gilliland, who's not really a super team in the truck series. And um, really the top 10, when you think about it, was, um, all Thorson Gallagher cars in the top 10. Um, and the KVM cars surprisingly didn't do quite as well as what it, maybe I thought they would, you know, with Krauss finishing in 10th place, kind of um, out of it and being. Or actually, I'm sorry, the Christian X. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at the wrong name there on the result sheet. But Christian X is in 11th, kind of being a non-factor in the last car in the lead lap. And then Raphael Lazard um, starting. He started out pretty well in the NF, finishing two laps down, although he's a rookie. Um, and then Chandler Smith in in the uh, 20th uh, place there, which I think for the KVM car is a little bit disappointing, but I mean, for their one regular guy that you can probably count on with Ekis, um, I think it was probably more of a disappointing weekend for him. Um, but I think going forward, yeah, you're definitely going to see um, the GMS cars, uh, Thor Sport, uh even if uh, Austin Hill can kind of get back on a roll, I think you'll um, definitely see those guys. And then Eckes definitely will be up there going forward. But it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over these next couple of races. Uh, what, what we'll see at some of these tracks. Because I think it's more 
um, more diverse, I guess, because they're going to Gateway, which we haven't seen yet this year. And I feel like definitely it's it's kind of like a, a short track on a super speedway layout, sort of. Mm-hmm. And then going to Darlington, which for the trucks, that'll be interesting because they haven't raced trucks at Darlington in a long time. And then they're going to go back to Richmond, which we haven't seen in a while as well. So it's going to be some new tracks relatively to what the series has run in the past. And it's going to be, I mean, I don't think anything will be too crazy. You're going to see the the regulars go out there and, and dominate probably, but it's going to be interesting to see how those races play out because some of the drivers, actually a lot of the drivers in these series haven't been to um, Darlington yet. They haven't been to Richmond yet. So very curious to see how that will play out. Yeah, Darlington's going to be uh, interesting for sure. You're, you're going to have David Reagan and uh, more former Southern 500 winner and multi, you know, near near whatever, 15-time cup winner. So I'm probably getting that wrong off the top. Greg Biffle, who won for Kyle Busch last year at Texas in the 51. He'll be driving the 24 gms truck at darlington so that's basically you know the i that's where i would be putting a lot of i would be putting i mean i'm not putting my head but i put a a lot of money on that because in terms of we talked about you just talked about it josh about experience i mean outside of johnny sauter matt crafton um who who is who in this field has has run uh, Darlington. I think a couple of these guys may have driven an Xfinity car there, possibly, but other than that, I mean, Crafton and Sauter are the only ones that have experience there. Um, Enfinger has never ran there, and he's can he's a veteran type, but he's ran ARCA, so it wasn't like. Uh, and and Richmond is also another one. You're, you're, a lot of the, the a lot of the younger guys might have run it in a K and N or they might have run an Xfinity something like that. So, but Richmond is and and Darlington along with this this next three race stretch. Uh, when you look at the points too, uh, with the Garrett Krause of course running with the new team with Bill McAnally in the Truck Series, you have Todd Gilland who's basically DGR Crosley. Uh, truck, which is the same truck that Ankrum ran last year. Um, they won one race, but uh, they this Gilliland hasn't been able to kind of perform to that same level yet. Um, Ankrum has definitely had a sophomore slump. He's only got two top fives. Is it as is? Yeah, he only has two top fives. Uh, six top tens, which is par for most of the guys that are up there. Uh, and so he's only led one lap all year, which is, is pretty disappointing. When you consider Sheldon Creed, he's won two races. Zane Smith's won two races. And Brett Moffitt's the best uh, regular uh, driver right now that doesn't have a win. He's been uber consistent. Like uh, Josh said, Eckes, he's been up there in points all year. It, it's been not the usual Kyle Busch domination. And I think that's been a sign that's been going on for the last few years that the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks are not that good outside of when Kyle Busch is in them or a cup series regular of some sort. 
like Greg Biffle. Um, it's something that has to be analyzed when you consider the amount of talent they have in that in that building, the crew chiefs and all. I mean, it was collateral damage between it was friendly fire. Eckes went and took the air off of Chandler Smith and Chandler Smith went and threw a bitch fit and uh, that cost them both in that truck race. I think they would have had a chance to win that deal. So uh, and in all of this, Austin Hill with Hattori Racing, who last year missed the final four and dominated Homestead. Uh, you know, the, this team, it's a team Moffitt took to the championship. The Austin Hill has taken a, a step forward in his in his talent and driving ability. He's got a 7.4 average through 13 races, finishing uh, finished 12 out of 13. He's finished in the top five six times, which is only beaten by Matt Crafton. So he's he's in a position he's going to win this regular season title. There's only three races to go. It looks pretty good. Zane Smith and Moffitt are closest competitors, but they're 41 and 47 points back. So those 15 playoff points would go and give him a slight edge over Zane Smith, Sheldon Creed, Grant and Finger, who are the multi-winners so far in the truck series um, for sure. Um, yeah, just want to go and throw out a couple other things here before we move, um, uh, to the roundup here. Dawson Cram, a, f- a guest here on the Grip Strip podcast, uh, recently announced that he will be starting his own truck series team with, uh, his family, his father and everybody there, and, uh, will be running the number 41 starting this weekend at Gateway. Uh, basically taking the the shop and all the pieces of Long's Motorsports, which he was running for, and he ran at Dover last week on a, basically a late entry. Um, he'll be running a number 41 cool paint scheme uh, they have out there, Pistana, Ryan Pistana designed. Um, he'll be out there, uh, and we'll see about how many races they're going to run. I think... Anything, some of the smaller tracks, I think he'll run. I don't know about Talladega. I would think Talladega is probably out, but possibly the next three weeks for sure. I think he'll be out there, Darlington and Richmond, along with Gateway. So um, big props to Dawson Cram and his family uh, for doing it, uh, going and basically picking it up and doing what they have to do. A great kid, a great guest here on the GSP. Hope to have him back soon enough and then also um the nmpa pocono spirit award uh second quarter winner was bubba wallace so for um those who want to cancel nascar again and then watch on saturday evening um this is your moment uh you can go and cancel nascar and then cry about it and then still watch on saturday evening on nbc because you will. Um, he uh, Bubba went and got it for uh, some of the stands and things that he had to do based on what's going on in our society. And we've had it brought up more um, in recent days with more um, shootings and things like that. And 
it's it's crazy and and this is not a i'm not gonna go and turn this into a political podcast but all i'm gonna say is yeah you know i do agree with what uh the milwaukee bucks did and uh i agree with some of these other entities and how they're going and doing things and some of the ones that aren't taking it as seriously it kind of proves where they really are and uh what they are all about all right so we'll uh turn it to the gsp roundup here um you had the second race at the at hidden valley there for the v8 the v8 supercars and uh it was more of the same you know you had we go back to the the title of the show and more of the same we were um able to see the big two in terms of djr team penske and the red bull holden uh team go and win races we also didn't stand out in terms of the yeah in terms of the uh, with scott mclaughlin going and winning all three races at uh at uh in the darwin super sprint which uh, i mean i'll take it as a as a uh, Scott McLaughlin guy. And now that he knows that he's going to be staying home, um, he might as well go and win another championship. Um, he has eight wins on the year. And next, there's only two other people who have multiple wins and Jamie Winch cup and Nick Percat for, for Brad Jones racing. So that's a big deal for Percat and that whole team um, in terms of the, Point standings, Scott McLaughlin has the points lead by 177. All those wins, eight wins, he only has 177 point lead, I'll tell you. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen and Chaz Moster are third and fourth. They're only separated by seven points. And Percat, who has two wins this year, is fifth. Waters, Frosty, David Reynolds, who's made some engineering changes. Fabian Coulthard, who's... Uh, Scotty's teammate and Lee Holdsworth are the top 10. Uh, they will be racing at Townsville this weekend for the, uh, what is it called here? The uh, NTI Townsville Super Sprint at Reed Park Street Circuit. And uh, then they will be moving, they'll be racing again there the following week. So we'll be talking about them again. And that will be the lead up to Sandown, which for the first time uh, will, will not be a, will not be a Enduro. Uh, Sandown will not be an Enduro, which is crazy. Um, They'll be running uh, Perth and all these other deals there in the v8 supercars uh the imsa we we discussed yet it was uh you know the corvettes go and win again of course because it's imsa they have to win and i think the bigger story though 
was um was Bill Oberlin, who's Mr. BMW. He's been driving BMWs, I think, since the beginning of time. I think it was him and Han Stuck that drove BMWs at their initial um at the the beginning of when BMW started. Uh, it was Bill Oberlin and uh and Han Stuck, but for for him to win 61 races it's uh pretty crazy um it's it's cool to see somebody as good and as talented he's at 51 years old beats high to my family at home for total wins it's a big deal um and and you look at the corvette you look at the Corvette group, they have this brand new mid-engine car and they're just doing what they've always done, uh, which is win. And it's not shocking at all. And uh, we'll see what happens in terms of the uh, next race, which will be the Michelin Endurance Challenge at Road Atlanta, um, which will be a full field, including the prototypes. There's some rumors about possibly LMP3 being added to the regular uh, race with the with the LMP ones and or with the DPIs I guess and then the LMP two class so we'll see what happens with that but there's plenty of time between now and Daytona in January we'll go from that to the MotoGP Miguel Oliveira goes and wins his his first Grand Prix first Grand Prix win for Tech three after all these years in in the sport, and it beats Jack Miller, beats Pola Spargo in on a last lap, last corner pass. Uh, it it was definitely dramatic. Though the races at at uh, at Red Bull Ring were were definitely um, hardcore. There were some huge wrecks. Um, glad that people got away all right. I mean, there was just it was really intense, and hopefully there'll be more of uh, more of that to come because it was so the this this season this series the way things are right now it, it shows how dominant Mark Marquez was because this not I don't think a lot of this stuff would have mattered a lot of things that were happening this year wouldn't have mattered if Mark Marquez was here and he was hundred percent. Obviously, it's going to be a while. It's it seems like he's going to be held back even longer from possibly coming back, and I think it's a cover for the fact that the Honda motorcycles crap outside of when uh, Mark Marquez is on it. Um, he proved that at at Hareth when he went off on lap one and one of the first few corners, dropped to tailback and came all the way back to second and then wiped out. Um, it, that bike is meant for one person, one person only, and it's been proven by how all the other Honda riders in the MotoGP have struggled mightily. Um, every other manufacturer has been able to do something. Ducati won with Davizioso, even though they're going to let him go. Quattararo started the year very well and has had a rough uh, couple of races here at Austria basically bottomed out the the um KTMs are taking a big step forward with uh Brad Binder and then now um Oliveira getting wins so the future is bright in terms of 
the KTM squad. They have two young guns that are going to really be there for a long time. And, you know, Yamaha factory's got, they, they got work to do. Suzuki's been up there, but hasn't had as much luck. It's all, it's all the play for uh, points wise. Uh, it's only 14 points between Quattro Jack Miller in third, Davizioso's second. It'd be the ultimate if freaking Davizioso goes and wins, wins the world championship, and they they're not even going to keep him. That'd be hilarious. It'd be so Ducati. But with that, we'll go to go into the other parts. We got MotoGP and. Uh, 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 DTM, we have British Touring Cars, and at Alton Park, you have Adam Morgan, Ash Sutton, Josh Cook, who got uh, uh, got stripped of his win in a Honda. Uh, Josh Cook lost the race because of ride height check, and then. That means uh, Cook means Rory Butcher. So Rory Butcher, that's a great name. Uh, Ford Focus uh, wins. Then Dan Camish, Team Dynamics, and the uh, Jake Hill goes and gets uh, uh, Honda as well. There, Colin Turkington uh, leading the points. Then you have Ash Sutton wins the second race. Uh, Adam Morgan wins the third race. There. In the uh, BTCC Alton Park, they'll be running at Knock Hill here this weekend. In terms of the standings, the driver standings in the BTCC, you got championships. I love it. You have to go and find all this information. It sounds like you're freaking doing this on the fly. Well. That's part of why it is a grip strip podcast when you consider the crappy job I have. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm just, uh, it's like, of course, you have to make it that difficult. Yeah. Um, there we go to, yeah, yeah, DTM had lost its ring. Super GT at Suzuka as well. Um, in, yeah, Super GT, DTM. And with DTM, of course, there's talk of uh, them going and utilizing uh, GT3 uh, spec cars to kind of keep the series going. Um, that would be a plus, I would think. Uh, they ran the most recent race there. Lucas Hour won race two for BMW for over Timo Glock and Robin Freins. In race one was Rene Rast over Nico Muller and Robin Freins, so an Audi sweep. And then BMWs took the next two spots, but then Audis, so five of the top seven for Audi. It's a very competitive but very tight uh, field here in um, in DTM, uh, taking up the back or Nui and Kubica, which isn't shocking. Uh, in terms of the 
point standings. Nico Muller is well out in front right now over Rene Rast and Robin Freins. And there's a huge gap after that to um, Glock, Jamie Green, Marco Wittman, et cetera, et cetera. That's where it is. And DTM uh, will be running next at... They'll be running next at uh, Assen, which that's where they should be running the uh, the Dutch Grand Prix for, for cars instead of running it at Zandvoort because it's so narrow. But Assen is such a great racetrack and it's put on so many great motorcycle races. But hey, it is what it is. It was lost its ring full circuit instead of the sprint circuit. We'll uh, see with that. And then uh, Super GT was at was at Suzuka for their third race of the season. And they will be running their next race at Motegi. The Suzuka race saw the Nissan finally. Oh, man. Finally, Nissan, with considering how uh, much of a struggle it's been for them, the Nissan GTR, the number 23, the classic number 23, uh, Nismo uh, team, the Motul Alltech GTR of Sugio Matsuda and Ronnie Quintarelli goes and beats Yamamoto Makino on the Raybrig NSX if you played uh, Grand Turismo, you'd know about that car. The AU uh, Sarumo, AU Toms, it used to be the Castro car in number 36. They Toms Toyota finished third. In terms of people you may know, Heike Kovalainen drives the Denso Sard for the Denso Sard car. And Rio... Was a Nick Cassidy, who's one of the best talents there is out there that hasn't been in Formula One, IndyCar, whatever. Uh, he's made his name in Japan. You have Bertrand Baguette, who almost won the Indy 500. Uh, what is it in 2011? And I ran out of gas. Jan Mardenborough's person color. He went and he's part of the Nissan Driver Academy. Um, made it through there by playing Gran Turismo, as you mentioned there. And Hideki Muto, who ran for Andretti Autosport here in America in the IndyCar series, uh, he's make his name now in, uh, in the Motul Mugen Red Bull Honda. That's it. So, um, yeah, that's that for... Uh, the Suzuka going and seeing Nissan win again, it's 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 positive, considering it's definitely a Honda or uh, Toyota centric uh, uh, deal right now. The 36 is leading the 37, so two Toyotas, then the Honda's third. Another uh, the first Nissan is sixth with the uh, Matsuda and Quintarelli. So we will see. Motegi is. A few weeks away, we'll get into that in a little more detail uh, The and when that time comes for the GSP. So we will transition now to 
Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, before we move forward, it would I'd be remiss to not mention that this is the one-year anniversary of Antoine Hubert's um, untimely uh, passing in the F2 race at uh, Spa, and uh, he lost his life in an accident with uh, Juan Manuel Correa, who is still recovering from injuries suffered in uh, that wreck last year. He's been, he would, he came out in the sim season, uh, was running basically one leg and racing in the sim and beating people who were able bodied, fully able bodied. And uh, there's a picture of him at the site, uh, the little memorial that was put there for Anton Hubert um, and very emotional uh, sitting up there. And it's a poignant uh, moment to see, you know, and you consider how it can, you can't imagine something like that happening. You don't want to imagine that, but to have to think about it and look at it and, and be a part of it at, a year later and what has happened to him and what he's tried to do. Uh, we, we hope and pray for the family of Anton Hubert. It's been a year and it, I'm sure you can never, you know, uh, deal. It, uh, it's just thinking about the passing of somebody, somebody so young, so much talent, a Renault uh, junior driver with a long, with, with high hopes to possibly go to formula one, a lot way ways like, uh, Jules Bianchi, uh, who lost his life in a racing accident as well, and Ferrari, he was a Ferrari, uh, likely Ferrari driver. But, Josh, I'll get you back in here. Um, I've hogged the last few minutes here. Uh, what What is it going to take for Lewis Hamlin? Is it going to be weather? Is Is that going to be the key? Or what, what can happen here so that Lewis Hamilton for those people who hate Lewis Hamilton, um, to not win and dominate this weekend at, at Spa. Well, I mean, definitely weather could be a factor, and certainly it may, at the end of the day, it may actually, or, well, at the end of the race, it may actually be the one thing that might stop him. But I think one thing that maybe we have to consider is the the new, I guess, the new engine regulations that they're going to be um, implementing for Formula One uh, this weekend yeah. at Spa with mm-hmm. the same, I guess it's the same regulation or um, format for the engine that formula for the engine that they are going to have in qualifying as in the race. And I remember Lewis Hamilton saying that he felt felt like it was definitely targeting them um, in the Mercedes team and and some of the other teams have said that they feel like that they don't or that they won't get affected, for example, like Ferrari. And I think even like Haas said that they don't think they'll be affected. And, you know, I think Red Bull was another team uh, or Verstappen said something similar to that effect. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm sure that Lewis Hamilton will probably end up winning anyways, but you never know. And, and maybe it might end up being closer than, closer than what maybe we'll be expecting uh, what he would normally do. But it's certainly something to watch going into this weekend and, and how that plays out as they go through um, practice and then they go to qualifying and then the race, how all that 
strategy will play out because definitely it seems like uh, Mercedes in Q2 and Q3 have such a huge advantage and that's part of the reason why they've taken all the pulls and it definitely gives them an advantage as they go on to the start with clean air which obviously in any uh, top level racing series is a huge advantage to have especially at the beginning of a race and allows you to build that gap but definitely um I think for sure, if weather ends up being a factor, then, you know, maybe things get crazy on rain tires and we see an unexpected winner or um, some kind of challenge to uh, Lewis Hamilton's domination this year. Yeah, when when you consider in, in Spa that you could go and one part of the racetrack could be be dry and the other part of the racetrack can be wet it truly could be flipped in a sense with with the uh, with weather conditions it could also affect qualifying as well um it might bring ferrari into play you know leclerc the way he's been able to make what i've called the red uh, uh, scarlet toilet on wheels um get podiums you know vettel who has nothing to lose and doesn't really know where he's going to be Sergio Perez with the Force India, I mean, I call it Force India, tracing point, and he doesn't know where he's going to be. There's guys that are hungry. These next two weeks are two of my favorite weeks of the Formula One calendar. In the usual parlance of Formula One, it would be a month break or three weeks or whatever, and they call it the summer break. It's only two weeks this year because of COVID, but it leads into two of the most beautiful classic Formula One races, the Belgian Grand Prix, the amount of history, the the track. Um, there's definitely, as we just mentioned, you know, there's been the bad and there, there's been some huge racks and serious racks. Jackie Stewart um, almost lost his life there. There's other um, drivers in Formula One that, that have uh, perished there. And at the same time, you've had on you, you've had Dan Gurney go and win with his own car and his own engine um, in '67, a week after winning Le Mans. Uh, you have. Ayrton Senna win four straight Belgian Grand Prix. Michael Schumacher goes and makes his his Formula One debut and qualifies seventh in a Jordan, and a year later wins his first career Grand Prix there. Uh, I mean, there there's so many different standout things. Spa is is a bucket list place for me in my life. Hopefully, one day I'll be able to afford to go and have somebody to go with and enjoy and make it a real vacation, you know, like go there and go to Italy, go to Belgium, go to Italy and just make a whole vacation. I, that would be awesome. Go to Monza with the Tifosi. That would be unbelievable. And, and this is, this is an opportunity for, for Verstappen, for Botas to go and kind of chip away at this lead because we're going into a, portion of the schedule after these races these next two races where you're going to be going to a lot of unknowns going to a lot of tracks that all you're going to be working with is sim data or you know you know engineering kind of 
sciences, which is what Formula One is in a sense, but you're going to, you know, Mugello, never had Formula One. You're going to Portimao, never had Formula One. Imola hasn't had Formula One in years, similar to kind of like the trucks in Xfinity, the way they, they're having some of their schedule. You know, you're going to be running Bahrain twice, and one of those circuits might be like a reverse oval. You know, like there's a lot of change. You got Turkey for the first time in many years. So it's an opportunity if they can go and start making momentum in these two races, it could help them as they move forward into these non these these unknowns that are going to be coming up here in this 2020 Formula One calendar, which has been finalized. It's going to be a 17 race calendar. This year in the Formula One World Championship, they announced Turkey will be back for a race. There will be two races at Bahrain back to back. And then the, the finale will be at Abu Dhabi, um, which looks nice with under the lights, but is a pretty terrible racetrack. Uh, okay, so with that, we go to the Coke Zero 400. And um, it's I, I, the, I think the question we mentioned it earlier, Josh, of those who are not locked in, uh, who do you think has the best chance to win and get in? And man, this is a really tough question because um, there's a lot of factors in play, and especially with an elimin- elimination race being at a restrictor plate track you never really know what could happen but i actually do feel somewhat strongly for matt de beno ben i'm getting his name wrong matt de Benedeno, uh his chances at daytona and the reason why i say that is because if you look at the fords and how they've raced at the restrictor plate tracks over the last couple of seasons we saw in 2018 how Stuart Haas had a very coordinated effort throughout the entire race and ended up resulting in Eric Almarola winning the race there. And it was going to be any of the Stuart Haas cars at the end. And you look at how Penske has raced that uh, throughout the restrictor plate tracks uh, throughout the last couple of years and how the 22, the 2, and the 12, and even the 21, not now that they're all affiliated together, how they've all kind of coordinated and and played teamwork throughout the restrictor plate races, and at least up until you know the last 20 laps or so. So I I would look for his team to work with the other Fords, you know, his direct affiliate teammates with uh, Penske, with Blaney, Kislowski, and Logano. They'll definitely be helping him to make sure he doesn't have anything happen to him. Uh, throughout that race where they'll probably all run together on the bottom and and try to maintain position up front and it seems like in general that the Fords definitely have the teamwork thing going for them and that they'll be able to uh, work together and maintain position in the top 10 and it'll be a challenge for the rest of the field to try to break up that stranglehold that will probably happen with the Fords up front um, it'll be frustrating for other fans who want to see passing and stuff throughout the field. Um, and it does kind of um, stink, I guess, when when one, you know, basically one manufacturer is able to control the entire race. But that's how it is. Um, I think Jimmy Johnson has a strong chance 
And for me, going back to how Junior, Dale Jr. in 2014 and 15, how he was basically on the bubble going into Talladega for um, the elimination race for the second round in the uh, chase when they first implemented this playoff format, how um, it was basically a, a win or else kind of race at Talladega. And that's kind of the same thing with Jimmy Johnson, it being his last year and being now kind of a fan favorite after all these years of, of domination and fans not quite liking him. And now um, they respect him now, kind of like how Gordon was respected once he retired and everything. And now Jimmy's respected. I, I think the Hendrick is definitely going to have an effort to make sure he makes it in, I think. Um, and they're going to have to be very careful that they don't end up hurting William Byron. And so I think they're definitely going to be having uh, a draft train of their own where they uh, stay together throughout the race and they all remain on the same pit strategy. Um, and as far as that, I mean, you I mean you can always look for like at the end if if a surprise uh, contender gets a run at the end and is able to make a move. I mean, I wouldn't pat, put it past a you know rookie like Tyler Reddick who might try something at the end to get in, um, or one of the veterans like Eric Jones who has winning experience at Daytona from two years ago when he won his first career race um, at this race in 2018. Um, you definitely could see something happen there with the Toyotas making sure he gets in the race. So there's a lot of factors in play, and it's never really going to be solid until coming off a of turn four, and even that's uh Yeah, that's thing, not a guarantee you know, either. And, yeah, nothing is a guarantee until yeah. you get past the start-finish line yeah. uh, with this race. So there's definitely going to be a lot of storylines with, with how these drivers um, and these teams try to play their strategy out throughout the race and and how how they work together absolutely there's this thing is not we we won't know i would i would be surprised in a sense that if we were completely sure what what's going to happen in terms of the playoff uh by coming to the white or anything like that i think uh, this thing is going to go down to the wire. And when you consider where they're racing, what they have to do, you know, big ass spoilers, all this, all this stuff. D Benedetto, uh, I think the, what you said, Josh, about the Penske train, basically pushing him. It's got all the, the makings of he goes and gets his first career win. So they guarantee it. You know, or Chris, it's like Tyler Reddick, another one. You know, you have these Chevys, the RCR Chevys, they all kind of get together. It's like Bubba knows he's not going to make it unless he wins, but he's friends with Tyler Reddick. I think he's willing to kind of, you know, sacrifice for for the brand in that sense before he goes to Toyota, more than likely. Um Eric Jones, he won with the whole front end knocked off of his car in February in the clash and has won, as Josh said, of course, two years ago, his first career cup win was this race. So uh, it's been a race where the last couple of years has been a first time, the last three years actually are first time winners. Oh, Richard in 17, Eric Jones in 18 and Justin Haley last year for Spire. So the last three years has been a first time winner in this race. 
uh, that's that's happened. You know, you we got Greg Sucks back. What was it in '85? Greg Biffle. Oh yeah, Greg Biffle in 2003. We mentioned him earlier. Uh, and then Jimmy Spencer in 1994 over Ernie Irvin. That still pisses me off because Jimmy Spencer had a big engine, and he was a f- and he's a fat fuck. Um, you know, like all the, this race is definitely uh, one for first time winners. So we bring up D Burrito, you bring up Reddick, Chris Bell, Bubba. this. Baba, freaking the two front row guys, John Hunter and and Mech Driver. You know, th- this could really be. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're going to end up be talking about this early next week, and it'll be one of these effing guys, the regulars. But for the notion that a first time winner can happen, it's it's very it's more likely in this particular race. Than it would be at date in the 500 in Talladega, really in today's game at Talladega relative to, um, oh no, actually Stenhouse, that was the second win. Sorry. He won Talladega earlier in the year and his dad almost got arrested jumping fences to try to get to victory lane. That was when O Richard was still, um, pounding out Danica. Um, before Paul Tracy would go and talk about how much he loved her feet because he's a freaking COVID-induced pervert. Um, <laughs> we'll go to the uh, Xfinity Wawa 250. That's a one to my heart with the Wawa there. So Hey, we have Wawa go- here in Florida too now. Yeah. Well, that's – well, yeah. Got to go and get that coffee, man. Wawa coffee unbelievable if the i that's that's part and parcel for me if i ever go by a wall i'm just like have to go there and get the coffee um that's just part part of the deal it's it's part of being up here go and get your sandwiches and go and get your coffee and get everything done get your gas all that and it's a great place and it's the same thing. I mean, that you you get your little bits and pieces out of all of them. Wawa has its coffee, has a, certain types of foods. You can go and get some stuff. A quick check, quick checks more up over here. Um, sandwiches are really pretty much on point. Um, they have some. They got coffees, all that. Sheets is one that goes down towards the, the down in the southeast. Sheets has great fried fried foods and they have great customizable um entrees and stuff i this is why you come into the gripture podcast and go off on tangents here talking about food yeah well i think sorry i mean i think you haven't lived until you've had a Publix chicken tender sandwich so well (laughs) yeah well that that um i have to get down there so one of these days i'm going to get to daytona and we're going to go and we're going to go to New Smyrna. We're going to go and go to Bubba Raceway Park. If I don't get shot by the time I, we end up getting through that night, um, we're going to go and hang out. We're going to do the Grip Strip Podcast live. One of these years, we're going to do that. And this thing's going to be around long enough. It's going to be able to happen. So we'll see. we got to go plan that out. We'll see what happens with this COVID and all. But anyway, Wawa 250 Xfinity Series. Uh, mentioned it earlier. 
is we, we talked about Jeremy Clemens, and I think Jeremy Clemens is basically the only person that stands in the way of Brandon Brown and some of these other guys really making this, basically locking up the playoff. And you, you look at the field, some of these like lower end guys and top tier rides like Herbst and, and Annette and, you know, Brock shot and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They, they, they need, there needs to be a lot of flipping and really the last race that this is going to happen is this race. I don't think you can go crazy with strategy and, and, and really um, make anything happen. Cause they've also with the stages, they've kind of taken the strategy out of it. Uh, you, you look at somebody who, who a couple of people who have opportunities to do some, something you know, you timmy hill finished third in february of course he's not a regular so he's the i think he's declared for cup uh it doesn't really matter one way or the other i mean but timmy hill uh he he, he finished third in this rate in the in the 300 uh sebastian his crew chief got thrown out um and then was suspended for months because of covid uh Greg Alding, who almost won Talladega last year for the SS Greenlight team, is back driving the 07. Uh, so Joe Graff is going to get smoked by his teammate again because he's Joe Graff and he sucks at life. And then you have A.J. Allmendinger, of course, um, who will be starting 34th. And he'll he'll have a really fast race car, and I'm sure he's going to come up front. And when we talk about teamwork, I think uh, I would say that colleague is one that's going to really be able to work together compared to some of these other teams. And, and, and really I, that, that it kind of goes to that. I, I put it in terms of JRM or versus the Fords, the two Fords, but is it, is it really, is it colleague, Versus JRM versus the 22 and the 98. Is that what we're really looking at here? And and outside of, you know, the guys that have won, who's the best chance that hasn't won to lock themselves in here, uh, here tomorrow night? I mean, yeah, I think it would probably be a battle between, I feel like more strongly towards the colleague cars because they've proven to work together really well. Like I said before, and and Almondinger is going to be in this race too, so you're definitely going to see him, Haley, and and Ross Chastain lock up together and and stay with each other throughout the entire race. Uh, and then the JRM cars as well, they'll definitely be able to stay together, but um, I don't think they'll be quite as disciplined in doing that as the colleague cars and then the Fords. They'll be racing for each other, I think. But for the guys who don't have a win already to lock themselves in, uh, I could see, I mean, obviously they are already locked in virtually by points, but as far as wins go, I mean, I feel like it could be a Ross Chastain kind of race or a Michael Annette kind of race. They both won at Daytona before, so it definitely um, could happen. I mean, could even see, I mean, a, a wild card 
like Ryan Sieg or Jeremy Clements like pull one out of the uh, out of the hat and and win or get a really good finish. I mean, we've seen Ryan Sieg back in like 2014. I don't remember if he was in the lead or not, but I remember the finish to this race in 2014. He was like in second or something at the line behind Casey Kane and Regan Smith, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, but he's definitely been a good restrictor plate racer. So we could see somebody like that um, pull a surprise victory. Um, and that could definitely happen. But I mean, I think you'll probably look for one of the um, non-winging drivers from the contenders like Chastain or Annette likely uh, come out with the win. Yeah, I figure it's going to be a Chevrolet. Now, whether it's a JRM Chevy or it's going to be a colleague one, is to be determined. I, I feel like Chastain has been due all year. It's it's kind of lining up for him to go and get a win again uh, here because you consider AJ Allmendinger's won uh, this this year at Atlanta and probably has been in position and could have won at least one more if not multiple races you you got Haley won Talladega has been up there I think it's time that they push Chastain over the top get a get a win uh but I mean if it's gonna be somebody that that hasn't locked in it's I I would think it's between Ryan Sieg because he has sort of a corporate teammate it isn't his own car anymore the 93 so there could be something over there. You look at, you know, some of these guys that are not running full time for points. That you that the those those cars, if you get them up there, and they can hold on for dear life, getting slam drafted, it could you could get a one off victory there. I mean, Justin Haley should have won this race a couple of years ago. They penalized him for a yellow line a deal. Uh, and wasn't his fault, but they penalized him. So uh, you never, the fact is it's going to be very random and it's going to be unpredictable, theoretically, I would say, uh, getting to this finish here at uh, Daytona tomorrow, tomorrow night. And then from there, we'll go to the Car Shield 200 presented by CK Power. Uh, truck series race we will have at least we won't have some of the other garbage that's been racing there in the recent recent weeks Uh, Dawson Cram gets a will start his first race as a truck owner he'll be starting 25th only 34 trucks here for this race at Gateway a little smaller field it would have in regular deal would be 32 trucks so I guess uh, Uncle Norm and Roger Rouse would have been going home, which means, I mean, no offense to Norm, but we're not really losing anything because he's starting parks. But uh, is it a GMS benefit or or should we be looking at somebody outside of GMS and uh, maybe Joe Joe Gibbs, Kyle Busch Motorsports? finally comes through whether it's Akis or or uh, Chandler Smith or even somehow or another Raphael Lassard. 
I mean, it definitely could be a, uh, a GMS benefit, whether that's Zane Smith remains to be seen. I mean, definitely Brett Moffitt deserves to win. Uh, he's definitely raced pretty hard this season in the truck series. Uh, so I think it definitely he could be a factor for the win. Uh, I mean, Austin Hill, another contender throughout the series, who's um, had a, a win or two behind his belt this year. Is he could be a, a factor? I mean, maybe somebody that we haven't considered is a guy like Stuart Friesen, who hasn't, you know, he hasn't been a contender at all at anything this year. But I mean, he did finish in fourth last year at this track, so maybe they can bring back the same kind of setup that they had last year and and try to spark a, a fire for his season. I mean, could happen like that. Um, ben Rhodes could be another contender to look out for, or Todd Gilliland, who did finish second in this race last year as well, and has seemed to have a couple of good finishes on his uh, belt as of late. So that's definitely possible. Um, it's a little hard to to tell because uh, we haven't really raced at Gateway this year and uh, at all, but it seems like. Gateway is a bit of a unknown for me, um, and it's a very different track from the rest of the series. With it, it's almost kind of like a, a flat version of Darlington because you have one end of the track is very tight and banked, where it's almost like a short track corner, and then you have yeah. the other side of the track, which is very wide corner but but uh, flat, and you can carry a lot of speed through the corner. So. It's going to be a very interesting race to see how some of these younger guys uh, approach both ends of the corner and, and how they're able to um, make consistent laps. So it'll be a, I think it'll be an interesting race for the trucks. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be a wild card of sorts and a bunch of wild cards coming up. Uh, the Brett Moffat, I think definitely is a good, selection i would also look at veteran guys craft ins solders another one that's outside of the playoff that needs a win or else he has no chance it's kind of a track where he made his name you know flatter racetracks in the asa him and his whole entire family going all the way back to his late father going winning these races out in the midwest it's got all the things. Him and Joe Shear have been together for forever. It's kind of it kind of fits here, you know. Johnny Sauter, love him or hate him, uh, more people do hate him, uh, obviously because of his sterling personality. But you're you consider his talent, his raw talent and ability. This is an opportunity race for him. It's an opportunity race for Eckes to go and get through finally. It's an opportunity race for some of these one-off drivers to go and get a win because there's, there's, Majeski's buried. He's he's talking about the front half of the field. He's behind his own teammate and Hosevar. You know, like there's there's a chance for people who don't have any there no points have no real opportunity unless they win to go and kind of get strategy get track position 
and and hold. Uh, I don't know how with the Silmore engine if they're going to be able to shift or not because of the gear, but that could play a role later in a in a segment uh, with tire wear and all. So that's something that you should keep in mind when you're watching the truck series on Sunday afternoon leading into the Indy cars, which we kind of pre which we previewed on the previous the number episode 20 of the GSP. We previewed the Indy car series at gateway uh, coming up. They'll be running a double header. They'll be running practice tomorrow afternoon. The only practice an hour and a half. Then they'll run qualifying Saturday midday into race one. Then they'll come back again on Sunday for another race. Um, the qualifying would be determined because the second lap determines the qualifying for that race. So that would be the IndyCar series, and we'll go over that along with all the other racing series here on the GSP. Um, we'll uh, go the yeah, Moto, the World Superbike Championship will be at Motoland Aragon in uh, Spain, and. Uh, the, that'll be the fourth race of the season. It's Johnny Ray, who's trying to go for yet another world championship, uh, swept around at Portimao um, to go and retake the points lead over Scott Redding. And then Ratsigolu, oh God, that I would have to go and, and sit and listen to freaking announcing because there's no way... She, most anybody who's able to pronounce that that's god bless alex lowe's michael vandermark top five so it's only a four-point lead between ray and redding who comes from MotoGP, ran for the uh Pramac team for many years um transitions over to ducati world superbike to try and finally take down johnny ray uh there uh British Touring Cars uh, will be at Knock Hill this weekend. And the point standings, Turkington has a 19-point lead over Ash Sutton and a 41-point lead over Rory Butcher, who won one of the races the last time out. Tom Oliphant is one point behind Butcher. And Dan Kamish is, is the fifth He's eight points ahead of or behind Butcher. So that'll be the BTCC in terms of the teams. BMW has a huge points lead over Motorbase, Laser Tools, and Halfords Uasa, which is the Team Dynamics Matt Neal team. Uh, BMW leads in the manufacturers, independent drivers, is Ash Sutton over Butcher and Morgan. And Tom Chilton is fourth. Uh, his brother Max had a cool helmet last week at the Indianapolis 500 uh, with the Borg Warner trophy on it, basically. Uh, other independents and smaller teams, there's more uh, closer battles. Um, you have Goodyear tires now because Goodyear had to go and show that they theoretically make good tires, but really those are Dunlops and they just put their name on them because they own them. So 
be in be uh, uh, in lookout for that if you're watching a British Touring Car Championship. Uh, with that, we will uh, finish this episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. So, Josh, um, I'll open it up to you. Uh, socials and where can we find you and whatever. Yeah, as always, you can you can find me at uh, my Twitter account at JV Hillfine, where I will post my thoughts during the race um, if I feel compelled to, and and sometimes I tweet about other things um, that you might see on there. Um, and you can also follow me at my Instagram, which is the same name at JP Huffine. Um, I don't really post much there, but sometimes I do, and I just post whatever I think is interesting. Um, and, uh, I do have a Facebook, but I don't really use it that much, but if you want to friend me on there, um, I will try to respond to your request. Awesome. So we can go and follow you there on Twitter and we can go and also follow you. I mean, Twitter is the best one for, for Josh and, and, we that's where you can find me as well at Philip G Matthew on Twitter. Um, grip at grip strip pod is our um, handle for our show. Uh, specific show based Twitter there along with my Twitter um, Facebook. I'm not on there very often anymore um, outside of sharing the show Instagram. I'm at Philip G Matthew 28 and, uh, don't really post there either, but in its place is a place. You go and get it out for distribution. It is what it is. Uh, philipgmatthew.com. You can go and find the show. You can find old uh, clips that I wrote for uh, for consumption or wherever uh, back in the day. Still trying to work back on that and make the most out of it. Um we will see what happens, Josh, on uh, this weekend when you consider Daytona, you consider Spa, um, all these different things. Um, we're going to go over it all uh, next week. We don't know what day, but we're going to be going over it all here on the Grift Trip Podcast. So be safe, uh, wear a mask, uh, social distance, uh, proper hygiene and sanitization. Um, treat each other with kindness. We're in a time and we're in a situation where a lot of hate and a lot of vitriol is being spewed. And it would be nice if we could go and take care of one another and be better to one another. So for uh, Josh, I'm Phil. Uh, Please uh, like, listen, and follow us, not just on the Grip Strip Pod, but on our own socials uh, we're all over we're on apple podcast spotify podbean stitcher tune in and more to come uh, please like us there give us comments let us know what you want to hear who you want to have on here on the grip trip podcast uh, we thank you so much for listening you have a good day good afternoon or good evening or whenever you listen to it. Um, God bless. Take care.